Welcome back to Couple of Criminals. This is Mariah. And this is Anton, and we're your average couple reviewing your not-so-average crimes. This episode is number 27 of a 50-part series that we are doing where the episodes are based on a different crime in each state in the United States of America and are in alphabetical order, which means today's case will be based on a crime in Nebraska. Honestly, I feel like we were in the M's for like half of the episode so far. I never realized how many M states yeah, there are. Yeah, I know. It felt like we were in the M states for a while. A long time. And I'm trying to think of what... Just wait till we hit these states too, because the end states are the end states are a lot, lot as well. well. Yeah. Well, before I get into today's case, I wanted to announce some exciting information to you listeners. We posted on our personal accounts this week, but we wanted to let you all know that Anton and I are expecting our own little crime junkie to join the family in February of 2024. We are so excited for this bundle of joy to join our family. This will be our first, in addition to our two pups that we have. We recently had some gaps or double episodes because, honestly, I had been so sick and just haven't been able to do anything else besides work and sleep and get sick, but now we can finally tell people why, and it's really nice. I am finally on the mend of sorts as I am uh, kind of in the second trimester now, but I'm still feeling sick most days, although it is now not all of the days, which is which is good. Although my cravings are changing like every 30 minutes. It's really yeah, weird. Yeah, it's so true. There's one <laughs> yeah. time we were, like just today, we were going to have breakfast for dinner. And then she's like, no, I don't want that. And I didn't know what I wanted. But I knew that I was not going to hold down breakfast for dinner, which is a staple item in our house. We have breakfast for dinner quite a bit. So there is finally a light at the end of the tunnel as I can finally eat more than just crackers and chips, which I ate that for like three months. Now, with that exciting news out of the way, let's hear Anton's dad joke of the day. Take it away, Mr. Comedian. Why was Cinderella so bad at soccer? Is this like a cleaning joke? No. I have no idea. Why was she bad at soccer? She kept running away from the ball. Oh, that's what <laughs> I thought you would have said she was only wearing one shoe. No, 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 no. I like that one. Running away from the ball implies more of like the dad joke, but yeah, yeah, that's funny. Okay, today's case began in Lincoln, Nebraska on November 24th, 1938. Now, isn't it crazy to think that was almost 100 years ago? We are about to go into 2024. That was literally almost 100 years ago. That was like, what, 86 years ago? Sorry, what was the year? It was 1938, and we're going into 2024. Yeah, it's about 86 years. years. Yeah. It is mind-boggling to me, and I realize I always talk about time when I do these case reviews, but it just blows my mind how these were so long ago, but also at the same time, it wasn't that long ago. So, it, I know, it's crazy and it's weird, but I fixate on time a lot, I guess. Nonetheless, this case is actually a very famous case that I had never heard of before, so I'm assuming you probably have not heard of it either, but it is a very well-known case in Nebraska. So what happened on November 24th, 1938, you might ask? Well, on this specific day, a baby boy by the name of Charles Starkweather was born, and he was the third of what would later be seven children. His parents' names were Guy and Helen Starkweather. The Starkweathers were a working-class family, and they worked hard for everything that they had. Guy, the father, worked as a carpenter, but he was known to be unemployed or have work on again, off again pretty frequently. So he seems like almost like a contract worker yeah you'd yeah. say yeah in today's day and age but he is a carpenter yeah yeah 
And like I was saying, he had on again, off again work due to his severe condition of arthritis. And for this, it was really debilitating for him. And during these times when he didn't work, in order to make ends meet, the wife would have to work. So Helen was then forced to go and work as a waitress just at a local, local, um, like a diner. Yeah, local diner or restaurant. Well, the family didn't have a lot, but they were able to provide a good life to their children and still meet their basic needs. And honestly, that's, that's all that matters. And I think that's what we each need to provide, provide and remind ourselves is that if you have your basic needs, you're, you're living a good life. The Starkweathers were known in the area to be a well-respected family and were known to have very well-behaved kids. So as Charles grew up and began kindergarten, it wasn't until then when a different side started to form and emerge out of him. Charles in school was teased and made fun of frequently due to his condition of having bow legs and a speech impediment he suffered from. This scrutiny and teasing affected him immensely and he would take this on into his time in high school and into adulthood. As he continued to grow up, he found his passion not in biology or mathematics as one would in school possibly, but in gym class. I honestly bet a lot of teenagers find enjoyment in the one class where you really don't learn anything, don't you think? Oh, I loved gym class in high school. I actually really liked gym class too. I think the only thing I didn't like was the the matching outfits you had to wear. The Yeah, I didn't understand why they made us like, I guess, dress like out. uniforms, yeah. Yeah, they made us wear like gym uniforms. I know, and they were hideous. Uh, actually, mine wasn't too bad. Mine was bad. Well, Charles didn't find enjoyment in gym because it was a break from homework and learning, but it was a place where he could go and cope and outlet with his physical abilities, and this allowed him a way to let go of some of that rage he held against those who teased him in school. It didn't stop in gym class, though. His newfound strength and physical abilities made Charles feel strong and empowered, and instead of utilizing this in healthy ways, he used it against those who bullied him by bullying them back. However, like we often see in literally every movie where someone gets control or power, they don't just use it on the one thing they say they will. It then spans into more and more, and then you want more and more. Literally Lord of the Rings. I know. Very true, actually. That's a good one. And that is what we will see with Charles Starkweather. Starkweather doesn't just bully his old bullies. He is now harassing and bullying anyone who he doesn't like. So like anyone. Starkweather quickly went from being a well-behaved high schooler to now a mean and troubled child, and everyone knew it. Even his family was scared of him because of his sudden outburst of violence. He was now an unpredictable Literally, person. Literally, it just flicked in his brain pretty much yeah. is what yeah. was happening. Gym class. It was probably dodgeball. Could have been. Yeah. As Starkweather began his senior year in what is now 1956, it wasn't long until he realized high school wasn't for him and ended up dropping out and quickly got a job at a local newspaper warehouse. During this time, where he is now 18 years old, he was introduced to a girl by the name of Carol Ann Fugate, who was 13 years old at the time, so five years different. Convenient enough, the job he picked up at the warehouse was actually right next to the middle school where Carol went to school. And I said that right. Middle school. Well, yeah, that's how old 13-year-olds are. Because of the closeness and proximity, he was able to visit her all the time after school. And remember, he's a high school dropout and she is in middle school. Very illegal. Well, even more illegal was he ended up teaching her how to drive with his car that was under his father's name. And she ended up crashing it into another vehicle. But Starkweather didn't pay the damages for the accident. His father did. 
This ended up causing a large fight to happen between him and his father, and Starkweather ended up being kicked out and ultimately banished and disowned from the family. I mean, something that would probably typically happen. Well, it's probably Warrington at this point. It's not just the car. I feel like the car was probably the cherry on top for the situation. No, I mean, including with all his other actions, most definitely. Yeah. With the job at the warehouse not going well due to Starkweather's lack of work ethic, he ended up quitting there and moving on to work as a garbage collector. During this time, Starkweather believed that this was all his life was chalked up to was to be a garbage collector. And because of this, he started to plan bank robberies and other petty crimes on his routes. So he would be on his routes and look at places and like planned crimes. His philosophy was that dead people are all on the same level. So that's why petty crimes and robberies didn't matter, because at the end of the day, everyone's on the same level when they're dead. Now remember, he is still seeing or dating Carol during this time as well. And I believe they are dating at this point, but I think it's just kind of more secretive because she is younger. Well, yeah, of course. With his newfound life philosophies intact and an adolescent girlfriend, you could say he was not living the American dream. Yeah, not at all. No. Now that some time had passed, it is now November 30th, 1957, and Starkweather heads to a local gas station to purchase a stuffed dog for his girlfriend, but ends up having to use credit, so he didn't have enough cash on hand, so he asked the store attendant if he could use credit. The station attendant refuses to accept his form of payment for the toy, and this forces Starkweather to leave empty-handed, and this guy, as we know, has a very short temper and is also easily enraged. So I can only imagine how mad he must have been with this attendant. So just a couple days later, Starkweather comes back because obviously he cannot drop the incident that occurred. I'm assuming it affected his pride. That's like what I can think. That's what it sounds like, yeah. He has with him a shotgun, but each time he goes in, he leaves the gun in the car and buys something. The first time he goes in, he buys cigarettes and leaves. The second time he goes in, he buys a pack of gum and then leaves. And each time when I say leaves, he literally gets back into his car and drives away and then drives back. If I were the gas attendant, I think I would be a little suspicious. I'd be calling the police. Yeah. But on the third time, he isn't back to buy anything. This time he is in a red bandana and a hat and goes into the station with his shotgun. He demands money while holding the attendant at gunpoint. And the attendant's name is Robert Colvert. It's the same attendant from the night before. Starkweather steals $100 in total and then forces Colvert back to his car in the parking lot. This is when the escalation happens. Starkweather drives Colvert to a secluded and remote area outside of town. And when the two get out of the car, they begin to fight. And at which point the shotgun fires and hits Colvert right in the knee. Which a shotgun at close range, I can only imagine... The pain his kneecap is just absolutely is gone. Yeah, it's gone. With Colvert now down on the ground due to the knee shot, Starkweather ends up shooting him fatally and killing him. Obviously, like any teenager would, he goes and quickly tells his girlfriend what happened, but doesn't tell her all the details. Starkweather only admits to the robbery portion of $100 and not actually the murder of Colvert. I love how he killed this guy. Over a toy dog. A, yeah. Yeah. A stuffed animal. Something that he couldn't pay for. Yeah. Which is on him, not the attendant. Like we always see, with those who are enraged and have murdered once, escalation usually comes not too far behind. 
It is now a month later in January of 1958, and Starkweather arrives at the Fugate home to visit his girlfriend, who is by now probably, I'm thinking like 14 or 15, and he is now about 20 years old, or he could be 19. Of course, no parents would allow their minor daughter to date a 19 or 20 year old male who has a reputation to be mean and misbehaved. So when he comes this night to see his girlfriend and she is not there, he gets into an argument with her parents who are telling him to stay away from their daughter and to leave. Just Stark, like any normal parent like would. Like any normal parent would, especially if she's not there either. Well, it's probably better that she wasn't there. Starkweather's temper takes over, and he is quickly enraged by their demands of not letting him see their daughter. And because of this, he fatally shoots both parents with his shotgun and then goes on to kill their two-year-old daughter as well. So in a matter of about a month, he has now killed four people due to this rage. Carol ends up coming home, and Starkweather discloses what happened and what he did to her family, and because she is so infatuated, and I'm assuming manipulated by this man, who's older. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, she helps hide the bodies of her family members in different areas outside of the house. The two end up spending days in the house and leave a note taped to the door so no one gets suspicious. And the note just says the family has the flu. Yeah, that's really gonna... Yeah, that's really gonna deter people. That got me. Yeah. Of course, people are going to get suspicious when they don't see anyone coming in or out of the house for, you know, a few amount of days. So the grandmother of Carol calls the Lincoln police station to report her suspicions. And I am assuming to do like a welfare check. But by the time the police arrive on what is now January 27th, the two had already fled the home. At this point, the two have no money and no resources. So Stark Weather took them to a family friend's house by the name of August Meyer. August was 72 years old at the time, and like I said, was a longtime family friend of the Stark Weathers. So I'm assuming he knew that this guy was like out in rural areas and probably had money and supplies and no way to defend himself. When the two arrive at his home, which, like I said, is in a very rural area in what is now Bennett, Nebraska, Starkweather shoots and kills him with his shotgun. After this killing takes place, the two are left to hitchhike because of an accident they had with their car in the mud. They are then picked up by two teenagers who are named Robert Jensen and Carol King, and if only these two teenagers knew who they were picking up. Starkweather and Fugate had Robert and Carol drive them to an abandoned storm shelter that was nearby and then killed them both with the gun. Now with a new car and even more murders up their sleeves, the two now head back to Lincoln, but are now targeting a more wealthier area in Lincoln. This is when Starkweather and Fugate invade and enter the home of C. Lauer and Clara Ward. At the time of the invasion, only Clara and their housemaid Lillian Fenkel were home, and both were fatally stabbed to death. So not gunshots. Not shot this time, but they were fatally stabbed. Yeah, that's even a worse way to die, honestly. Yeah. And in sources, it does say that Fugate is now assisting in the killings and the stabbings. It is not just Starkweather now. The two then wait for Lauer to get home, and when he does, Starkweather wastes no time and fatally shoots him. With this being a more wealthier area and a more high-end murder, the two fill Lauer's car with valuables and stolen goods from the home and flee the state of Nebraska altogether. It has only now been a week since the murder of the Fugates, and now even more people have died. This is a murderous rampage at this point. Within a week, Within I would week, say it's yeah. a murderous rampage, yes. The two were now on police's radar because their car was found stuck in the mud, and shortly nearby were the bodies of two teenagers and the body of the family friend. 
Now, with the upscale murders, the police were determined to find these two murderers. However, even with door-to-door searches and questioning and some tips coming in about sightings of the two, the police weren't any closer to catching them. One thing that the police did have on them was that they had stolen the Lauer's Black Packard, which was a very high-profile car and not easy to hide. And Starkweather knew this. He knew they needed to get rid of this runaway car or else they would for sure be caught because it was a nice black car. Well, yeah, it was easily distinguishable because probably not a lot of people had it Mm -hmm. either. Yeah. On the hunt for a new vehicle, they ended up finding a man by the name of Merle Collison sleeping in his car on the side of the highway outside of Douglas, Wyoming. This poor man. Starkweather and Fugate hop out of their vehicle and wake sleeping Collison just to shoot him. They then leave the Black Packard and hop into the now-stolen Buick, but this one doesn't drive as easily. The car stalled when he tried to drive away, and when he was trying to restart the engine, a passerby vehicle stopped by to help them, just to see if they needed any help with their vehicle that was clearly not working. And in doing this, a fight ensued between Starkweather and the passerby driver. Starkweather pulled out his gun and threatened to shoot him, And this is when a deputy sheriff arrived on scene in that moment. Perfect. Yeah. Fugate runs to the deputy, but Starkweather ends up getting his vehicle to work and tries to evade police. He supposedly was going over 100 miles per hour during this car chase. Police are able to get a shot off and hit the car he is evading in, in which shatters some glass of the window and cuts Starkweather. Due to his fear of possibly bleeding to death, due to this cut... He surrenders to police, and both Fugate and Starkweather are arrested in Wyoming. Oh my word, that is actually insane. I know. That's crazy. He literally thought he was going to die because of the blood loss. I wonder how big this cut was. It, like, based off of the sources and some of the interviews from, like, the police, it was literally pitiful. I'm sure, like, unless it was, like, a huge gash. It was Or if it hit, like, an artery. An artery. But if it's just, like, some glass, like, that cut you, like, I mean, we've been cut by glass before. It doesn't really do. But his thing was, Starkweather's thing was, with his philosophies, is he was above the law. And he was getting away with tons of murders in a short period of time. And so he was never injured. Like, up to this point, he's never been touched. And so I think it put fear into him. I think he got humbled in that moment when he got hit. And it made him realize he's not immortal. Yeah, although it was literally glass. Although it was literally glass, yeah. Fugate claimed that Starkweather held her hostage the entire time. That years. Yeah. Although it was said many times to counteract that, that she had numerous moments to run or flee from his capture. And she never did. I mean, we know that, so. Yeah. Well, and I'm assuming with the amount of evidence that they had... There was so many times where she could have run away in instances where she could have just... Not only that, like, they know that she's also stabbed and killed people probably, too. Well, up to this point, I'm assuming, yeah. Charles Starkweather ended up being charged and found guilty of the murder of Robert Jensen. And this ended up being the only crime he was tried for and because he was sentenced to death because of it. He was executed in the electric chair on June 25th, 1959. That is less than a year later. That was really later. fast. Yeah. Like that is, because if you think about it, the the case that happened before or the attack that happened before was in 1958. Yeah, so, I mean, it was That's a really quick. fast turnaround. Yeah. 
And I'm assuming it's not oftentimes that we see this, but I'm assuming because he got the death penalty from this case and they knew the death penalty would go through, that it wouldn't be appealed or anything. I think that's probably why they only tried him for the one. Well, I'm sure if he would have appealed, they could have tried him for the others. They could have tried him and added the charges. I also think they maybe had a stronger case and a quicker case with Robert Jensen in comparison to yeah, the other ones. Yeah, that's probably why they chose him yeah. first. Well, and Robert Jensen was one of the teenagers who was yeah. killed. And they were the hitchhike pickup mm -hmm. couple. So then, like I said, he was executed in the electric chair on June 25th, 1959. And Carol Fugate received a life sentence for her part. And it ended up being paroled in June of 1976. So she served less than 20 years. She served about 18 years behind bars. Upon her release, she ended up changing her name and ended up working as a janitor at a local hospital in Michigan. And that is the rampage murders of Charles Starkweather and I'm assuming the accompaniment of Carol Fugate. Yeah. So, you know, I actually have never heard this case. I have never but either. But it is part of We Didn't Start the Fire. Really? Yeah. At they what say part? Starkweather homicide. In, in the song. We didn't start the fire. So this case, actually, Stephen King was obsessed with. I'm assuming it was like huge, huge. news this time. This was huge. So, yeah, St yeah, I've never done research on it, but it isn't part of the song. I would have never known that. And just so you guys know, that's like literally one of Anton's favorite songs. Oh, yeah, I know the whole thing. I'm not going to sing it for you, but. No, we are not. But, yeah, this is a very famous case, and I've never heard it before. Yeah, this is the first time I've heard anything on it. And I did not know it was in that song. That's really cool. I was sitting here like the whole time like, I've heard that name before. Yeah. And and I put two and two together. Wow. It is. The, the thing is, is like, it was a rampage. That's the only way that you can describe what he did in such a short amount of time. In total. I would consider, yeah, with the short amount of time that he did it, it was a, it was a, it was a rampage. A rampage slash killing spree. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to Couple of Criminals. We look forward to you being back here next week where Anton will be reviewing a crime from the state of Nevada. Until then, this is your Couple of Criminals signing off. Mm -hmm.